Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Welcome to the Shape of Work podcast. Today joining us is Guillermo Cornejo, CEO and founder of Ridershare. Guillermo, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mosul. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We, uh, yeah, we we discovered you guys kind of looking at uh, what the automotive market is doing, different types of rentals, uh, specifically motorcycles, and came across you guys. Um, and in a nutshell, you guys do essentially like motorcycle rentals, correct? Yeah, but uh, but we don't own the inventory, so you can think of us as like an Airbnb, but for renting motorcycles. Uh, then the company is named Rider Share. Yep, yep, that's great, nice. And how did you how did you come up with this idea? I imagine you're a rider yourself. <laughs> yes, um, I was a rider, and but uh, at the time, you know, I'm from Peru originally, and I was living in Texas, and uh, I wanted to buy a motorcycle there, and uh, I could not afford it. So I looked into renting one and it was more than $200 per day. And uh, there was only one location in the entire, in the entire Dallas forward area, I had to drive, you know, 30 miles just to get there. And so, so I thought, you know, maybe there's a better way of doing things, you know, and I have a background in risk management that I thought would help me solve the problem. Nice. Yeah. So kind of the necessity for what you were looking for drove you to create the business Riders share as it is today, and then your other skills, risk management, um, kind of help shape the company to where it's at today. Am I hearing that right? Yes. You know, having a good idea is not enough, right? You need to have some sort of competitive advantage to be able to make it succeed. Yep. And uh, in my case, I had learned this top-notch uh, risk management techniques while working at General Motors uh, subprime lending arm. Uh, yeah. They were the only ones to be able to basically be profitable during the Great Recession when when all of the subprime paper was going going under, going delinquent. And so yeah, they were using machine learning, you know, a decade ago before a lot of techs were were using it. And and basically, I learned that uh, the risk management can, if you do it well, can be a a good moat. And uh, and that you know, the, the more you scale, the better you can get at it. Yeah. How how does a risk management apply itself into rider shares? It's strictly a numbers thing or are there other factors which the expertise in risk management helps you kind of lower the risk and, and increase the profitability? How does risk management play into this? Uh, it's So there's many, there's many aspects. I think numbers is the most uh, tech enabled one in that we use machine learning to predict the probability that somebody will crash. And then we, you know, we try to mitigate that or, or not rent a motorcycle to people that are at very high likelihood of crashing. Uh, we also, on the non-tech side of things, you need to set up uh, legal agreements and, and be really careful with the language you employ on, on their contracts and on the website to, to make sure that, you know, if, if things do go wrong, that you're protected. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it encompasses quite a few areas, right? I imagine. I as mean- well as- yeah. Yeah. Because, for example, practices like asking asking the renters to wear a helmet and all these, you know, these little things to to prevent risk, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I imagine with uh, with something as risky as riding a motorcycle is one thing, but then you guys as the company take on kind of double the risk because there's a liability and all the back end stuff, insurance, obviously making sure that the riders wear a helmet, they're insured, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, risk is probably one of the biggest things I imagine in your business and and you guys have mitigated it. You said, well, mitigated as much as you can via machine learning. Yes, we when when a user creates an account riders and in and is out to rent a motorcycle. Uh, we have a lot of APIs that extract information out of that person, you know, dr- think driving records, you know, th- that type of data. But then nice. we ran through machine learning to to segment customers into eight different risk tiers. And um, and that way we can price according to the risk and we and we you know and we can achieve relatively stable profit margin targets by you know by doing this. Gotcha. Nice. And as technology evolves, how do you see the evolution of the technology influencing the risk factors? You know, ChatGPT, these different tools. How do you see the evolution of the tech kind of helping you guys mitigate those risks moving forward? I think the the recent innovation with ChatGPT is mostly around contextual AI and text. Right now, we 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 only use like AI that is programmed around data and 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 extracting insights from data. Yeah. So, but one possibility is that we could, um, like, to be honest, I don't see a lot of applications yet for contextual AI or or in answering questions uh, how the website works. But uh, perhaps there is a way that we can use AI to to ask vetting questions to customers and see how well they know how to ride a motorcycle, you know? Uh, uh, yes, that makes sense, yeah. Because it's very difficult to measure experience, right? Because you you could have five years of experience, but if you only ride 100 miles a year, it's not the same as riding 3,000 miles in one year, right? Yeah, or if you have experience doing bad stuff over and over and over again, it's, you know, kind of <laughs> reinforcing bad patterns. Yeah, that's interesting. So like the intake, the onboarding, how you guys extract data from the customers is a big factor in uh, kind of the next process, the kind of the next step in the process for the rider getting approved. Is there any interesting things that you can share in that process that kind of helps you determine whether they're they're low risk or high risk besides the basic stuff? Like I imagine, you know, um, maybe like men in their 20s, probably the highest risk. Are there some like, I don't know, maybe um, other interesting things? ways that you guys extract that risk information on that onboarding process? Yeah. And so we, we use almost all of the same typical factors that an insurance company uses. Uh, one that is not used uh, is how far in, ha- in how far in advance someone is booking a motorcycle. And mm. so what we find is that people that plan ahead are less likely to get involved in an accident. Uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So planners tend to be less, you know, not, they don't tend to be risk takers. It's one interesting insight that, that we use. That is interesting. That is interesting. That kind of um, leads us to the next phase of the conversation in terms of planning and kind of setting things up for the future, you know, making thing, making sure that things go right, um, you know, kind of setting things up for the future. How have you how have you built the team um, for Riders Share? Was it just people you knew? Was it through friends of friends? How did you build the team? How did you plan? You know, for for Riders Share in terms of the team building. 
you know, originally finding a technical co-founder was extremely difficult. I I tried everything, meeting them in person, attending conferences, job listings. There's, there was like a co-founder match website. And um, ultimately what I did is I posted out of the operation uh, on Reddit motorcycles, like, hey, I'm looking for someone that can co-react and loves motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's how I found my technical co-founder. That's amazing. And so, yeah, my experience has been that people that are really passionate about uh, the space tend to outperform people that are, are a little more qualified. And um, but I, I, outside of that, we, we basically relied on like our community. So, mm-hmm. you know, for, for especially for like customer support positions and whatnot, we we really rely on on, on customers that, uh, you know, because a lot of people want to come work for us simply because it's it's motorcycles and it's tech. Yeah. Um, but, and then, but then when we tried to fill executive positions, that was a little harder. And uh, and I made some mistakes. I think it's really difficult to, especially when you are in your twenties, to to vet someone in their fifties that right. that has you know twenty years of emotional intelligence or experience over you. And so the interviews they don't really extract a lot of information, even if you ask the right questions. And I could not find any. I have not been able to find a test that reliably predicts performance. And so to me, hiring remains a, a mystery and, and the best, what I think that what has worked for me best is to hire someone as a contractor first and then hire them full time. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if they love the company so much, they're willing to do that. They're, they're usually, they usually turn out to be good hires anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting that the kind of like you not getting the outcomes that you were hoping to like with conferences and different websites kind of pushed you to the edges a little bit and pushed you to reddit to try something unconventional i wonder if those other things would have worked you know maybe you wouldn't have found that technical co-founder who's also a writer you know because you know oftentimes those challenges kind of push us a little bit outside to try non-traditional things luckily for you it worked I love that story just on a Reddit forum. And then you find the guy that's a perfect fit. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting and kind of leads us into into the next uh, next phase here. In terms of the challenges, you just mentioned one of them, a big one, hiring, uh, vetting the right people, how tough it is to kind of determine and discern via an interview if they're a right fit. And you take them on as a contractor first, see if there's a fit and then that relationship evolves. What are some other challenges that you've faced and overcome and maybe some some challenges that you're still uh facing in growing the company retaining talent market share um so on and so forth uh yeah i think there was there were a couple of times in which we found really strong candidates and uh, and we lost them to different firms and because we didn't move fast enough with the job offer Mm -hmm. but um but to be honest in, in general we like we're really lucky in that um the people that ride motorcycles, they're really passionate about it. And there's just not that very many tech companies in the motorcycle space. Yeah. And so for us, it's been super easy to to create a pipeline of people that want to work for us. You know, it's just uh yeah. It's just a cool space, you know. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a very cool space. And it's also low commitment for the end user. You know, um obviously renting a bike is is different than than buying one or even um a lease. So yeah, I imagine you guys have a lot of a lot of repeat customers. You know, surprisingly, most of our customers are travelers. 
mm-hmm. um, that people are flying by plane and you know people that travel they don't do it that often and so yeah so our video size is probably higher than it is for car rental car sharing or, or rv sharing mm-hmm. but uh but it's not like you know like most customers only rent once per year it's not like 10 times a, a month gotcha yeah that makes sense somebody on on holiday uh who's a rider back home wants to kind of experience a little bit of that exhilaration on their vacation and they find riders share. And how are people finding out about you? Just straight Google searches? Like, you know, they, they show up to their vacation spot and just type in, you know, uh, motorcycles for rent. Yeah. Nice. Um, Google has been our number one acquisition channel since day one. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. We, we rank number one for motorcycle rental keywords. So that, that's really helpful. Yeah. 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 That's great. And as you guys continue to grow the company, gain more customers, um, kind of, you know, uh, take on more territory, how do you, how do you envision the future for, for riders share in the next, say, two to three years, and then a little bit longer term after that? Yeah. So this summer, we're launching experiences to nice. basically allow our hosts to offer motorcycle tours, not just rentals. That's cool. And- but, you know, we, we built the product super flexible. So if you want to list a, a class to get a motorcycle license, then by all means, you know, you want to list uh, an oil change for a motorcycle, then you can list that too. And so well, we're super excited to see where this goes. You know, one 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 host said that he wanted to, you know, get an actor so that you could pay $20,000 to, to ride a motorcycle with Keanu Reeves. You know, we'll see if they pull it mm-hmm. off. But that's... But that's yeah, that's fun. And then um and then probably next year if um if we can find an insurance carrier, we will pr- uh, probably add ATVs and UTVs into a platform and and you know expand beyond motorcycles. Nice. Nice, that's interesting. Nice. Thanks. And as you as you progress, you know, as you find and fine tune new ways to do interesting things like the experiential component, you know, different products, the ATVs, what keeps you going? I mean, I know it's more than profit. I know it's more than, you know, being, you know, successful entrepreneur, what are some things that, that keep you going? You know, we all have bad days. We all have challenges. Are there certain things that you kind of anchor, you know, to help you in a bad day or are these things that just kind of help you, um, you know, keep going when, when, the, when the going gets tough? You know, it's, it's a really interesting question because the answer changes every year, you know, mm-hmm. when I, when I first started, I thought, you know, I'm going to start riders, sir. Then I know our company that is even bigger. And then when I'm a billionaire, I'm going to end world poverty. You know, I was a dreamer. And then as I grow older and realize how hopeless my dreams are, um, you, you change, right? As you grow, your motivations change too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's uh so i think at this point in time my my main motivation is that this needs to exist you know like it works for boats it works for rvs it works for cars like we need to make this a thing you know and uh and i also love the like you know we're now at a point where where i can hire people to work on the stuff that i don't like doing and and i used to do the stuff that i enjoy doing like numbers and, and you know and, and managing the risk and uh so yes. so it, it's fun uh the, the, the first years were really really tough though like i i had to do everything right like 
race, money, do marketing, customer support 24-7, you know, everything at once. And yeah, and I was doing it while attending an MBA program at UCLA. So I like nearly burned out. Uh, but uh but you know, you eventually the, the company would be enough and now we we're in a pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a strong reason because the company needs to exist. You're kind of serving your old self when you were looking for a motorcycle to rent and nothing came up. You're kind of helping that person that you were today uh, with different people that are looking, that are typing in that keyword. Boom. You give them something that they want. And that's that sounds like it's enough of a reason for you to keep pushing because riders share in your mind uh, needs to exist. I um I don't know like I don't think I still I realized the vision that I set out to 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 realize yet, and um, primarily because we don't have enough scale. the The vision is that we make renting a motorcycle so inexpensive that you that it makes more sense to rent than to own a motorcycle. I don't think we're there yet, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to scale the company so we can continue to, you know, reduce our variable costs and to a point where we can finally create a product that people are like, you know, instead of spending $10,000 a year buying a motorcycle, I'll just, I'll just spend a hundred bucks here and there and, uh, and get the same fun out of it. Right. Most people that ride motorcycles, uh, ride them less than 2000 miles per year, which is, you know, a fraction of of, of car mileage. And so most motorcycles are just sitting in a garage. It's very wasteful. And, and yeah, a lot of people take pride in the ownership of a motorcycle, but, uh, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a big market out there of people that, that care more about the experience and, uh, adrenaline feeling of riding a motorcycle and not so much the, the pride of ownership. And, um, also we're looking to scale and, and, and get to that point where, uh, where anything becomes more affordable than owning. Yeah, that is an interesting tipping point to reach where the the cost of renting a motorcycle is less than than ownership. Then you can try different motorcycles. There's less commitment. You can, you know, just kind of whenever you feel like it, you know, go on the app, rent the motorcycle, and you're done and just kind of try try new things. That's interesting. When do you when do you anticipate that that cost will be less to ride a motorcycle than to own it obviously there's different factors like the value of the motorcycle uh the maintenance and all that kind of stuff but is there like uh a time frame where you feel like you'll reach that tipping point <laughs> it's hard to say um i thought it would have, i would have reached that tipping point last year but you know like there was a pandemic in 2020 and really slowed us down uh, this year it looks like uh, there will be a, a, a recession later this year we you know with all the banks going under <laughs> So it's, <laughs> I don't want to make oh, any yeah. promises, but, but I think, I think the company needs to be, uh, 10 times bigger before we can truly, you know, achieve economies of scale and, uh, and get to a price point that the most customers find palatable. We also need more motorcycles too, right? Cause part of the appeal is being able to rent a motorcycle, you know, that is very close to you and not have to drive 30 minutes to get there. And uh, and a wide variety of them, right? So it's uh, yeah, we're we're looking for ways to build brand awareness uh, without without spending too much money. Right, right. 
Yeah, well, that experiential component that you were mentioning, you know, there's there's a lot of good that can happen from there. And, you know, one video, two videos go viral or somebody that's, you know, has a good amount of uh, following um, retweets you guys or, or, you know, posts something about you guys and and boom. So it doesn't seem like it's far mm-hmm. off. Obviously, the distance from here to there may seem like it's far, but the bridge between here to there seems like it's, you know, just one of those experiential um, things that you guys do uh, might set that off. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for you guys and and rooting for you. Um, yeah. And so as we kind of land this plane and, you know, end this podcast, what are some of like your inspirations? I know you mentioned keeping writer, like the fact that writers share needs to exist kind of keeps you going, but are there things that inspire you along the way, whether it be related to business or risk management or not, you know, uh, maybe like a big brother or something you read or like a, a podcast or an author that you like, just different types of inspirations that maybe our viewers and listeners uh, can either resonate with or check out to find someone new that inspires them. You know, Moshe, at this point, uh, it, I'm, I'm at the other end of the spectrum here where I want to encourage your viewers not to start their own companies, you know? <laughs> it's right. really difficult. It's uh, it's really risky, uh, especially, you know, this year, um, the funding has gotten a lot more difficult to obtain. And uh, I've already met with three different founders that, you know, that have been doing really well during the low interest rate era. And, and now they have to shut down their startups. They have no money, no job. And like, they have this weird experience on their resume that it's going to be hopefully not difficult to hire them, but you know, it might, it might not help. And so a lot of people, a lot of the media focuses on, on the positive outcomes. But I, you know, that the reality is that 99% of, of, of the outcomes are not, well, 90% of the outcomes are not positive. 99% of companies don't get any VC funding. And, um, and even if you are successful, like most CEOs are replaced, you know, and the ones that are not replaced, oftentimes they try to replace them and fail. So it's a, it's a very grueling path and everyone has to pretend everything's doing fine. You know, everyone is confident, and, but everything's going to be great. But that's, that's not really what happens behind the scenes, right? Like most people are better off in a corporate job. And, uh, you know, and it, it's really just for, for the people that can absolutely are miserable with, with, with a corporate job or had, or they have a really strong competitive edge, like that no one else can beat them at this particular business idea, right? Or like, th- or they have this unique technology that no one else has. That's when you should start your own business. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some of yeah, some of those things are necessary. the The need to get a product or service out to people who may not have that or have access to it, whether it be a product or service, you know, and many factors go into starting a company. And it's never easy. But the only question is, is it worth it? You know, suffering <laughs> is you know suffering is is part of life, and that's just it. Really comes down to that, like the thing that you're going to suffer for, is it worth it? you know, um, it's the pain of regret or the pain of discipline, you know, like, are you going to, uh, in 50, 60 years, are you going to be upset at yourself for starting and failing a company or will you be more upset at yourself for never trying? So I understand you want to caution our viewers about starting a business, but you know, I would, 
I would say it's 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 better to try and fail than 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 never to try. You know that old Shakespeare quote: "Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." You know, that's a very good point, right? Because yeah. you people you won't wonder why when in your in your eighties, like if you could have been could have been successful, you know. If but uh, right. yeah, certainly I won't be wondering that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the thing. Is like even if even if you're not successful, you still can say that you tried and sometimes that's that's fulfilling you know like and who knows maybe in the process you discover some other things but you some other things that maybe you wouldn't have discovered if you didn't try and so it's never easy but hey that's that's why we do it you know to to discover about the market about ourselves about what's possible and well, maybe along the way yeah yeah yeah, no, and at the, at the end of the day, people that uh, start companies are on RS happier, right? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, amazing, Guillermo. We'll be we'll be looking out for you. We'll be rooting for you. Um, we'll have links in the description to your LinkedIn and ridersshare.com. If anybody wants to rent or list their motorcycle, www.ridersshare.com. Guillermo, thanks so much for joining us and happy riding to you and all your customers, man. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.